Well, hello. Welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast, where I am here to talk to you guys about my review of the NXT Great American Bash. NXT's Great American Bash was a fun show from beginning to end. Did they have some dud matches or a match in particular? Yes. And I'm going to get to that dud match when I get to it, but the overall uh, overarching show was enjoyable. I think that you're going to find whatever you can on NXT that you will actually like. NXT is a variety show, and to further prove that, this uh, pay-per-view was truly a variety uh, show. And to start us off, we had the NXT Tag Team Championship match. It was the families, uh, Tony D'Angelo and Stax going against Gallus's Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang with their other third mate, Joe Coffey, in their corner. Tony D'Angelo and Stax would win the match, become the new NXT Tag Team Champions by pinfall when Tony and Stax would hit their tag finisher, a double flapjack on Wolfgang for the win. This was a solid way to open up the show. Each team's had like little special entrance videos. Uh, the family, they had rats on the Titan Tron. And it was referencing Gallus being rats, how Tony got put in prison by Gallus because they're rats. Uh, Gallus, they had them getting themselves prepped up in the back. Joe Coffey talked saying Gallus boy is going to be on top. That was their entrance video. Um, highlights of the match would be Tony D'Angelo powerbombing Mark Coffey onto Wolfgang near the steps. And Wolfgang would hit the steps. Uh, Tony throwing stacks onto Gallus outside of the ring. Tony hitting Joe Coffey with a crowbar inside of the ring when the referee wasn't looking, when he was looking at all the damage that happened outside of the ring. Gallus doing what they usually do, being a great tag team in this matchup. Gallus proved yet again why they're one of the great tag teams in NXT right now. And for them to lose tag team titles to Tony and Stax, it was time. Tony and Stax, they had momentum when they went to... uh, Stand and deliver, and we all thought they were going to win the tag team titles there, but with the introduction or reintroduction, if you will, of Joe Coffey realigning himself with his Gallus teammates, um, it just delayed the inevitable of the family winning the NXT Tag Team Championships, and it was time for them to do so here. It was time for Tony to get some championship gold under his waist, and now that he has it, I would like to see where they're going to go with Tony and Stack, but... Great match to open up the show for a Great American Bash, which will lead into the Weapons Wild match. Blair Davenport going against Roxanne Perez. Roxanne would win the match by pinfall using Pop Rocks on a pile of steel chairs. Now, the action would start first with Roxanne making her way down to the ring there in Texas. Uh, Roxanne's home state. Roxanne would slap the hands of all the people that's cheering for her. Her mother and her sister would be uh, front row, and she would go over to them and hug them. Uh, she would high-five some other fans next to them. She even would take a photo with one of the individuals, and that's when Blair Davenport, disguised in a hood, would attack Roxanne and hop the barricade, and now we would have our match between the two just going on. Now, the weapons that were used during this match were a trash can, uh, steel chairs, a branding iron, cowbell, Blair Davenport's own belt, 
and a table that Blair Davenport will be smashed through by Roxanne when Roxanne would splash uh, Roxanne through the table. Now, for me, I feel that this match was used to show everyone that Roxanne could be serious when the time's called for it because Roxanne, I feel she has that Bailey situation because Bailey was always bubbly, always cheerful, always smiling when she was at NXT, or if you want to use a better updated version, uh, The New Day. Everybody is talking about how The New Day's always so smiling, they're goofy, they're just positivity, but they need to be serious. And I feel that this match accomplished that. I feel that this match allows everyone to see a different side of Roxanne, a side that uh, you probably shouldn't mess with Roxanne. Even though she smiles, she still can get tough with you. She still can throw down in the ring, even if it's a weapons wild match or any type of matchup, she still can get the job done. Now, not going to try to discredit Blair Davenport. Blair Davenport, she played her part well as a villain here. Blair Davenport, to me, I feel that she was uh, Roxanne Perez's Sasha Banks as Roxanne was the Bailey for this. And again, I would like to see Roxanne and Blair have a great matchup without the weapons because right now they're both uh, one and one right now. So they got to have a rubber match. So I would like to see where they go with this. But I hope that they get that classic style match between these two because again, I feel that this match helped make Roxanne be looked at more serious and not just a one-dimensional uh, character. So with that, I like this match. I like the way that they handled it. I like that Blair at points in this match would literally beat up uh, Roxanne in front of her mother and her sister, and Blair would even get up in Roxanne's sister and try to like uh, intimidate her. The mother would tell her to back away, and at points you would see the mother really hold on to uh, Roxanne's sister, her daughter, and just start like holding her just to get her away from Blair. And again, it brought me back to uh, Sasha Banks doing that to NXT super fan at the time, Izzy, when she was be there, like cosplaying as Bailey at the time. So that's another reason why I say the Bailey Sasha to Roxanne and Blair uh, comparison. So as I said before, Great match between both of the ladies. I would like to see where this rubber match is going to take place, and I would like to know what type of match it's going to have. But I would say this is a match that you need to go and watch if you want to watch the uh, pay-per-view or premium live event. Go and watch this. Now, the next match, I'm going to say this was one of the downfalls of this pay-per-view, and I think that everybody's going to look back and say, why did they have this match on this uh, card? You had Baron Corbin going against Gable Steveson. This was Gable Steveson's debut. And if you are not aware of this, let me tell you guys something. In a debut, usually the man that is debuting, or gal, whoever is debuting, they usually win their match, either by pinfall or submission. That's usually how a debut match technically goes. However, that did not happen here. We got a double countout for the finish of this match. Gable Stevenson and Baron Corbin will be fighting outside of the ring over the commentary table. And at one point, when you hear the referee start counting at seven, eight, and Gable Stevenson is close to the ring, you think Gable's about to leap back into the ring. Oh, no. Baron Corbin just starts pummeling on Gable Stevenson. They just start fighting outside of the ring. And that's it. The referee continues to count. He gets 
the 10 count, rings the bell, and the fans start chanting bullcrap. They start chanting it relentlessly. And Baron and Gable, they still continue to fight outside of the ring. This will have multiple security guards and multiple uh, backstage officials trying to separate the two. Uh, they will make it inside of the ring. Gable would belly-to-belly suplex one of the security guards. That will actually make the people actually cheer for Gable at this point. Gable would then pounce onto Baron. They will fight again, make their way outside of the ring. Gable would ultimately spear Baron through the barricade. And that was it. Um, I'm not sure what we got here. You had people cheering for Baron Corbin in this matchup, and you had people booing for Gable Stevenson in this matchup. It was a 50-50 from time to time. I mean, this was a legit mixed bag of crowd reactions. Now, as I said before, usually in a debut, if you're debuting someone that's a good, they get the cheers. If it's someone that's bad, they usually get the boos, especially when they're an unknown uh, entity like a Gable Stevenson because you don't know what he can do in the ring. But unlike technical, like traditional people that debut, Gable Stevenson, they know him because of his amateur background and people might know him more because of his personal uh, situation that happened a couple years ago. And I don't want to go into that because the man was found, I'm not going to say not guilty, but I don't think they found enough evidence to get him for something that people think and say that he's guilty for, you want to go and do your research on that, you can do that yourself. I'm not. WWE, just like any other company, they vet people, and they vet however they vet to deem whether you're qualified to work for their company or not. They deem that Gable Stevenson is qualified to work for their company, so that's all I'm going to go off of this until he actually is proven to have done something really nasty and is in court documents, court papers, and he's found guilty of it. That's the only way I will deem him anything. But as of right now, he's free. He's walking around. He's in the ring. He's competing. That's all I'm going to judge him for. And I don't know what WWE or NXT as, like, people in the back was thinking of this with Baron Corbin and Gable Stevenson. I don't know, but I hope this was just like a fly call. Because, as I said before, usually people would cheer for things like this whenever someone debuts, but since it's Gable Stevenson and his personal stuff kind of follows him, eh, I can see people in the back hearing the response be like, nah, we're calling audible, go double count out, just do that so we can get out of here and we can go on to our next match, and that's what I'm about to do. Going on to the next match will be a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship, we have the champion, Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley in his corner going against his challengers, Wesley and Mustafa Ali. Dominic would retain his championship by pinfall when Ali would hit West with a 450 splash. And when Ali would cover West, Rhea would pull Ali out of the ring. And this allowed Dominic to hit Wesley with a frog splash for the win. Now, usually in a triple threat match, here's another trope for you. Usually in a triple threat, if it's two bad guys going against one good guy or two good guys going against one bad guy, the two uh, good guys or bad guys, whatever side of the coins they are, they usually double team the other person who's not what they are. So two good guys, double team a uh, bad guy, two bad guys, double team a good guy whenever usually in a triple threat match. And it happened here. Uh, Wes and Mustafa, they would double team uh, Dominic. And then when it got down to those two, they would just battle it out. And I did like this one spot that they did here. Dominic would... Start hitting the three amigos on, I believe he started on 
Wes. He did the one, two, and he's about to go to his third amigo. Then Mustafa comes in. So Dominic starts hitting the three amigos. He gets one, two, and then you will see Wes get up. And now Dominic grabs Wes, and he still has his arm still locked in on Ali, and he wants to hit a double suplex on Wes and Ali. Wes and Ali, they don't allow that to happen. Instead, they hit a tandem double three amigos on Dominic Mysterio. That is the first time I've ever seen someone do that. And I thought that was cool. So props to all three of those guys for coming up with that uh, creative uh, spot there. Uh, we had another spot where Ali would miss the 450 splash on Wes and Don when they were like perching and hanging on the bottom rope, like laying on the apron. Ali would try to hit the 450. Those two would like move into the ring and Ali would like just crash on the ring apron and that would take out Ali temporarily. Um, Wes, he got riptied through the commentary table by Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea, she told Wes to not hit a dive on Dominic after he already did one. And she would even get on the ring apron to try to stop it. Wes would stop for a minute. And as Rhea is still on the apron looking at Dom trying to tell him to get up, Wes would jump over her and hit Dom with a dive. This would make Rhea upset and she would... Chase after West. West would throw Dominic into the ring. She would grab West off the ring apron and rip tight him through the commentary table. I'm going to say this right now. We need to bring someone in there to kind of get on Rhea Ripley's case. It needs to be a dude. I think it's going to pop. The crowd is going to uh, be excited when a dude finally nails Rhea with a finisher. It's going to happen. It is becoming a slow build. The same way that we got a slow build with Dominic constantly... Uh, going after his father, Ray, and saying how much he's a deadbeat and beating up on Ray and all this type of stuff. And we were waiting for when, by God, when is someone, or more specifically, Ray, going to put his hands on Dominic? And we finally got that answer at uh, the SmackDown, like leading up to WrestleMania, and they finally had their match. We're waiting for when is someone going to get their hands on Rhea Ripley? That's a dude, because she constantly interferes in dudes' matches. People keep on placing themselves, well, placing the idea that, yo, if they were to talk to Randy Orton, Randy would have said, man, I would already did that already. Randy was known for being ruthless. He would RKO anybody. And I feel that someone needs to inherit that spirit of Randy Orton and just dominate Rhea Ripley. Again, the crowd would cheer, but they will only cheer if it's the right person. That's the key to this. You got to make it the right person. Now, if Wes would hit the cardiac kick on Rhea here, I think people would have popped for it. Or if uh, Mustafa would hit the 450 on Rhea, again, crowd would have popped for it. But I think they're saving that big, like, explosive pop for someone to really do it to Rhea. I don't know who, but I hope they are going to get Rhea Ripley at least eating a finisher from a dude, especially after dudes constantly getting beat up by Rhea. I really do hope that they go with that. But back to the match, solid triple threat match. You know what you're getting yourself into. Great time, but Dominic is still your NXT North American champion. Now, moving over into the submission match for the NXT Women's Championship, we have Thea Hill with Duke Hudson and Andre Chase in their, well, in her corner, challenging uh, the champion, Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany Stratton, she came out uh, white and pink, decked out her Titantron, Red Tiffany Stratton and Barbie font with a Barbie like 
playhouse in the back. So she's embracing being NXT's version of Barbie. And it was a clunky match here. I mean, it's a submission match. And you got Thea Hale and Tiffany Stratton, still two women that are still learning. They're not experienced uh, seasoned vets. So it was a clunky match, but they were able to do what they could do. Uh, Tiffany would retain her championship when Andre Chase would throw in the cha- uh, towel after seeing Thea in so much pain while Thea was locked in a Boston Crab. Then you see uh, Tiffany sit on uh, Thea's back as she's still wrecking in the Boston Crab. Then she would transition it over into a single leg crab, which I said Tiffany looks like a person that would use a single leg crab, and that's the move that will make Andre Chase throw the towel in. Now, the moves that Tiffany used in the submission match that she broke out to try to, like, hurt Thea Hale's lower back because that's the area that Tiffany was aiming for was the Romero uh, special, uh, Canadian backbreaker, the Boston Crab, and ultimately the single leg crab. Um, Thea Hale, in this match, she worked on Tiffany's arm as usual because you would try to lock in the Kimura lock, which she did have at one point, and it looked like uh, Tiffany was going to tap out, but Tiffany would crawl over to the bottom rope, grab it, and hold on to it. That would make the referee uh, tell Thea to let go of the hold. And that's basically it of this. Again, clunky matchup, but it had its bright spots here and there. Um, Thea Hill did hit uh, Tiffany with an exploder suplex off the top rope. I did like that. Um, I did like seeing Tiffany, like, have her strength to showcase her strength whenever Thea will go for a uh, crossbody off the top rope. Tiffany would catch her and roll it into and then like hold her for a minute. Again, I'm always impressed with those feats of strength, whether it's a man doing it or a female doing it in the WWE or in wrestling in general, because just grabbing someone, falling down and rolling them and then trying to pick yourself up while still holding someone, that is exuberating a lot of strength. So, I want to give props to both ladies for executing that. Um, but again, clunky match, but you know what you're getting yourself into with this. And with Andre Chase throwing the towel down, we did see a look at Andre trying to console like Thea in the ring. Uh, Duke Hudson, he would just look at Andre Chase because Duke, he doesn't like that Andre Chase threw in the towel. I think that we're going to get some type of Duke kind of chastising Andre Chase for throwing in the towel on NXT this week. And we're starting the dissension between Duke Hudson and Andre Chase. If I'm going to be honest, and Thea Hill, she's going to have to pick her side, whether she sides with Duke Hudson or Andre Chase. I believe that's the story that we're going with this. And who's next to go against Tiffany Stratton? I don't know. Right now, I can see Lyra Valkyria being the next one because Lyra is trying to prove herself to Rhea Ripley being the girl that Rhea actually uh, nodded to say, this is the girl, prove me right. And we got that a little bit with Lyra kind of trying to get at JC Jane. You see those two women being pulled apart backstage. So I can see Lyra being next. But if it's not Lyra, I don't know who right now. I mean, it could be the return of Nikita Lyons, or it could be Roxanne because Roxanne just got done with Blair, but technically not because they still got to run that fade for that rubber match. But I don't know who. We'll just have to wait and see with that. 
Um, moving over to the main event, NXT Championship match. Ilya Challenger, uh, Ilya Dragunov going against the champion, Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams in his corner. This would be a fight, but in the end, Melo would retain his championship by pinfall, thanks in some part due to Trick Williams. And I say that because this happened. Melo's tired. Melo is down. Melo is exhausted. You know that him and Dragunov are beating the stuffings out of each other. Uh, Melo outside of the ring. Melo's trying to get himself together. Trick would have the NXT Championship, and he would try to motivate Melo to continue fighting. And while Trick is uh, motivating Melo, you would see Ilya Dragunov run off the steps and look to hit a torpedo headbutt on Melo, but Melo would sidestep out of the way, and Ilya would hit the NXT Championship, and this would knock Trick Williams down. This allowed Melo to grab Ilya, throw him into the ring, and hit nothing but net for the win. And after the match was done, as Trick and Melo were celebrating in the ring, you see them play the replay back, and they slow-moed it down on uh, Ilya hitting the torpedo headbutt. And the commentators would even mention that Ilya kind of dinged his head on the NXT Championship. And now we have a conflicting situation now because now we know that we're going to get a match between Ilya and Carmelo now I just like to see how we're going to go about it I like to see if Ilya is going to call Melo out on NXT or call Trick out and just like to see how these three guys are going to play out because we know Ilya is going to get a rematch but the way to do it I just want to see how they're going to get to it but this match specifically Ilya versus Carmelo Hayes this match to me was telling the story of Ilya Dragunov is this masochist and sadist that is trying to just destroy Carmelo. Melo's whole thing is he has to retain his championship, but he is trying to match Ilya's intensity, but he cannot truly match Ilya's intensity because I said Ilya is a masochist and a sadist. This guy enjoys inflicting pain on other, and he enjoys receiving pain. This match to me, and Ilya's presentation in this match, really, really made me think, okay, Ilya could get trained under Brock Lesnar. And people might think that is a crazy idea, but just hear me out. Ilya, as I said, masochist, sadist. Brock Lesnar, kind of the same way. He enjoys a good fight. But he thoroughly enjoys inflicting pain onto others. And I can see if we can get Ilya just training with Brock here or there. And Brock not saying much, but just being out there to like head nod or laugh maniacally whenever Ilya is inflicting pain onto someone. You mean to tell me that doesn't increase Ilya's uh, profitability? That doesn't like increase Ilya's... Uh, believability as this insane guy to just like to inflict pain on people, you're crazy. Because Ilya in this match, he was chopping the devil out of Melo. He was throwing them strikes. He was suplexing. I mean, he was getting at Melo so much in this match. And again, Melo, he tried his best. He, I mean, he was kicking. He was uh, chopping back with Ilya. I mean, at one point, Ilya tries to go for the West, uh, not West Coast pop, God, uh, Shane McMahon's thing. Uh, leap of faith. There it is. But um, Melo would catch him with 
a double knees to the face, and that would pop Ilya into the air, and Ilya would just land on his face. I mean, as I said, these two guys were just throwing it at each other, just throwing caution to the wind and just inflicting as much damage on each other as they can. But Mela would win, and I'm just throwing at the idea. Ilya training with Brock and having him be under Brock, that would do wonders for Ilya. And Mello, we already know he's the future. That's already being presented in his entrances. That's being presented in the way that he carries himself. That's being presented in the way that WWE, the company, sees Carmelo in the way that they are positioning Carmelo ever since he got into the company. Or, as I say, as he's been on television, he has been shown as being the guy to lead the company coming into the future. We know that's happening. So I'm not worried about Carmelo and I'm not worried about Trick because those two guys being a package together, that's great. But Ilya, in this match, I saw Brock Lesnar in a shorter version, like smaller and not as much jacked because Jackson, because Brock is like a different specimen. That guy is different. But if you look at Ilya and you can just envision Brock like 2002 his first run and then like his second run where he was just coming in MMA style punching and just locking in Kimura's and all that type of stuff you could just infuse those two you would get Ilya Dragunov but if Ilya was bigger in stature and like taller you would think okay that's Brock 2.0 because the way that he carries and does everything so again Brock Lesnar whip Ilya that'll be great but that's sideboarding things that's me looking into the future hoping they do something right for Ilya, but future presently, um, Ilya's gonna get another shot for the NXT Championship. Melo's still champion. I would like to see how they're gonna handle this, but altogether, overall, Great American Bash, great show. Go and watch it. For me, match tonight was the NXT Championship match. Uh, second match tonight, in my personal opinion, was the Weapons Wild Match and the tag team. Or the triple threat, interchangeable, but obviously the dud is Baron Corbin going against Gable Steepson. I don't know why they did that, but we'll have to wait and see what they do with those two uh, in the future. But with that all being said, that was my review of NAC's Great American Bash. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope that gives you guys some idea of what to tune into for NXT this week. I hope you guys do tune in. However, if you guys do not, have no fear. I will be talking about NXT and all the other wrestling shows that happened this week on my Saturday edition of Wrestling Highlights of the Week that I do every Saturday. Also, if you did not listen to my Sunday episode, it's called Them First Sundays. I talk about news topics and this week, I talked about Aliens, uh, Sinead O'Connor, uh, Ariana Grande, is there such thing as a homewrecker, um, Carly Russell being arrested, and more topics. But that's on Sunday's episode. If you haven't not to listen to it, uh, you can listen to it now. And I believe that's it. Oh yeah, I'll be coming back with you guys with a midweek uh, breakdown. I do that every Wednesday as well, so look forward to that. Now, with that all being said... This has been my Two Cents Podcast, Great American Bash Review. I love you guys. Have a great Monday. I'll see you guys soon.